On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, we've got Dave Kirpin. One of my favorite stories to tell um, about signature style um, is around an experience I had with like a local and raising uh, money. Um, I got a... a, uh, a email intro to an investor in Silicon Valley, uh, Dave McClure from 500 Startups. And I got a warm intro, which you would think would be a good thing, but. Chairman of Likeable Media, New York Times bestselling author. Um, If you didn't catch part one, I really recommend going back and hearing about a number of things that he's accomplished. Um, Dave, I I really liked where we were, were going at the end of episode one. And I want to talk about this humanness and and being dialed into what really matters um, and how that translates into your writing. I mean, um, there's more books every year than there's been in the year beforehand. You know, somebody having written a book is becoming a more and more common thing, but a New York Times bestselling book is is still uncommon. Um, I'm interested, I guess my first question about writing is that likableness, that humanness, that what really matters. Do you feel like you've been able to bring that to your books or what do you feel like the secret of some of your books has been well I, I can talk about my books but I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, let me go even further sort of back and sort of talk about the the process and um, I, I do think that writing in general is you know I have very very few regrets but I wish I wrote more earlier and if, if people are listening you know if they took one if they take one thing away from this interview it's it's to write and just just to start writing and the best way to write is to write and i know that sounds a little silly but really really what lots and lots of people i've met say they've got a book in them and very very few of them actually write a book and the way to write a book is to start writing and so i've been fortunate you know i i, I got asked to write my first book and that 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 helped a lot admittedly but um that was back in 2011 and since then you know, more days than not, I've written every single day, whether it's 20 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day, sometimes 10 minutes a day. It's writing like anything else is a muscle. And the more we use it, the better we get at it. And the less we use it, the more it atrophies. So I've been able to write a lot. And, you know, a lot of what I write isn't as good, you know, like the reality is that not, not, not everything is going to be equally good. But I think I've by by using that muscle and by writing quite a bit, I've become a better writer through the years. Now, as for your specific question, I, I think what makes what I really enjoy about writing and what people have told me resonates with them, some of my readers, is uh, that I love telling stories. I love I love telling stories and then keeping it super simple. Um, basically, all four of my books have the format of tell a story and then share the key insight and maybe some takeaways like 
what does this actually mean for you and what, what should your next steps be? My, my last book, The Art of People, actually has at the end of every chapter what I call uh, fast steps or fast action steps to take, right, is the, is the acronym that FAST stands for so that people can, can actually not just get inspired, hopefully, but actually use it and, and do something. And I think that's, that's, that's been kind of a formula to my writing that seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah. Well, you get to speak a lot. Um, tell us, tell us one of these stories. Tell us one of the ones that you think is fun to repeat. One of the ones that impacted you the most or. Sure. I'll tell you a story. It's, you know, it's not, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a very, um, I don't want to undersell the story, but, but, but it's, 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 you wouldn't think, um, you know, based on part one of, I, I close, as you know, part one of this interview with a, a really deep, impactful story of me meeting, uh, uh, a senator, um, and this is seemingly much, much less deep. But this is probably the tip that I get the very most feedback from uh, of thousands and thousands of, of of pieces of feedback that I get from readers. So it's it's um, it's from a chapter of the Art of People called "Always Take the Water." And as the story goes, back in my very first uh, kind of real job after college, I was a sales rep for Disney, and I was running late uh, for a meeting one day. And I was I was definitely overweight. Okay, at this age, 22, I was uh, probably about 40 pounds overweight. I'm running late. I'm kind of rushing to get into this pitch, uh, and uh, I start sweating. And it wasn't pretty, but I show up to the pitch, and the the uh, prospect, her name was Sue. She says, uh, "Would you like some water?" Like I, I think she probably could tell I was pretty, you know, kind of frazzled and, and in a rush and and whatnot. And I said, "No, no." I didn't want to put her out and I felt like I was already running late. So I, I better not kind of make it even worse. So I, I sat through the pitch, um, basically sweating the whole time. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty rough and um, didn't get the business, went back and said, you know, maybe that I should have taken the water. And, and so as a super unscientific experiment, I did the next 20 meetings, sales pitches where I intentionally took the water at 10 of them and didn't take the water at the other 10. And what I found was when I took the water, I was more likely to uh, get the sale, to get a second meeting, to get a warmer reception than when I didn't take the water. And the more I thought about this, the more I realized that taking the water is not about me. It's actually about the other person. So imagine that, that you're having people over to your home and uh, they knock on the door and they come in and you say, oh, welcome to my home. Would, would you like some water, tea, coffee? Can I get you anything? And they say, no, no, I'm good. I'm good, really. I'm fine. How would you feel as the host, right? You would actually feel kind of rejected, kind of like, hey, what do you mean you don't want my water, my coffee, my tea? What's, what's the matter with what's the matter with it? What, you know, what, what do you think is wrong with me here? You think you're too good for my water? So the reason that you should always take the water or coffee, or tea, or beer, or soda, or whatever it is you're offered when you go to a meeting, is much more about making the other person feel um, uh, like they're doing a good job, like they're a good host, and make them feel good, which then in turn, of course, sets you up for success. And 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 that that kind of mentality shift for me made a very very big difference. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to share that with with others, and have gotten actually some unbelievably great feedback and stories from other people that started taking the water, or um, you know, I've had people that have been offered all kinds of crazy things, like I said, beer, uh, sake shots, um, uh, uh, soup. I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy. But the thing is, when again, when 
when people offer you something, they are genuinely, you know, if you take them at face value, they're genuinely kind of putting their hand out. And for you to reject them and start off the relationship or conversation that way, it makes no sense. Whereas you can start off with a yes and, a, and, and, and make them feel good. You know, it, it's interesting. I think about that. And I think about the times I haven't taken the water, you know, figuratively, whatever that's been offered. Right. right? Uh, and not just in that scenario, but just in general being offered. Um, I almost feel like maybe I just needed some more humility sometimes to accept the help of the like, you know, sometimes I need to, instead of having this attitude of I've got everything handled, yeah. you know, to be willing to be a little more human and let people in. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that gets to um, another story I've got about vulnerability. And um, it's uh, from a chapter called uh, uh, Crying is for Winners. And so often in business and in life, and especially for men, we've been taught to be strong and to not be vulnerable, right? I mean, if, if you're a kid, especially if you're a boy and you get hurt and you're crying, what, what, do, what, do, what, do, what do adults tell you? Stop crying. Don't cry. Don't cry. It'll be okay. Right? So, so we teach that from a very, very young age. Toughen up. You know, don't cry. Get it together. And it, it, the, the irony of, of it all is that when we are vulnerable as leaders, uh, it actually um, attracts uh, people to us. And um, I, I had a management meeting some years ago with, with Likeable Media where uh, I first kind of realized this uh, accidentally. I ended up, you know, doing an icebreaker that got got super, super uh, personal and people really, you know, basically like all five of us in the management team cried when we shared our, our stories. And um, surprisingly to me at the time, you know, it didn't, it didn't put people off. On the contrary, it actually really bonded us together as a team. And so uh, I have learned that, believe, believe it or not, the leadership team that, uh, that cries together uh, stays together. <laughs> it's funny how that's such advice. That's advice that's so hard to take when I've got this like cardboard cutout version of myself. I'm trying to get everybody to believe in of, you know, Jess is the man's man. He's tough. Yeah. Right. When it's really is kind of like the, you know, call it vulnerability, call it authenticity, call it whatever yeah. you want. That is more magnetic, right? Yeah, no, it, it totally is. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from Oprah Winfrey who said, you know, if I had known that being my authentic self would have made me so much money, I would have done it a lot sooner. <laughs> and 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 uh it's it's a uh, we 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 all i mean i look i i was uh, as guilty of it as anyone i think we all kind of uh to one extent or another put up a front and put on a mask and 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 actually women have it even harder than men because women are 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 if you know they in business have to uh, often kind of feel like they have to be be uh the authority and be the tough ones in, in order to not be seen as weak um but the reality is when we are able to take that mask off a little bit and and be our authentic self it, it, man it really does attract people whether it's employees or 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 prospects or uh investors i have been amazed at how how it's it's an actual business advantage and 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 i know that sounds crazy especially like you said about if someone that that, that's that's been kind of like trying to be the man but it vulnerability and authenticity are a business advantage because of how rarely they are embraced yeah you certainly stand out right um well listen let's take a quick break um hear from our sponsor for the show everybody uh please stick around we're going to hear more from dave so, Dave, now that we're back here, um, 
I really loved where we were going on that before the sponsor break here. So now I want to hear another story. What's another one? Yeah, well, it's funny. You closed right before the break with um, with how you stand out. And one of my favorite stories to tell um, about signature style um, is around an experience I had with like a local and raising uh, money. Um, I got a a uh, a email intro to an investor in Silicon Valley. Uh, Dave McClure from 500 Startups. And I got a warm intro, which you would think would be a good thing, but um, I actually got an auto-reply auto email from him saying, and I paraphrase, uh, I no longer check email because I get too many of them. If you're more creative, you'll figure out a way to get a hold of me. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm up for a challenge. And I actually saw he was speaking at a conference in New York where I'm based. And so I bought a ticket. It was actually $1,000 to buy this ticket for this entrepreneurship conference. But I bought the ticket and figured, you know, I'll track him down there and have a conversation. And hopefully things will go well and, and I'll earn an investor. And after all, we have a mutual connection. So I still have that, that warm intro I can remind him of. And I went to the conference thinking, okay, you know, great shot. And unfortunately for me, I, there were probably about 1,200 other people, other entrepreneurs in the room that had basically the same idea. Now, <laughs> they weren't necessarily all going after Dave, but there were maybe six or seven VCs in the room and about 1,200 entrepreneurs looking to get a hold of them. And so I, I found myself at every turn in, you know, a 30, 40, 50 person line. And I, ne I never, never met him all day. And I'm thinking at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm actually online at 530, uh, online at the cocktail hour for a beer to try to somehow get my money's worth. And um, all of a sudden I hear, I need to meet the man that's wearing those mother effing shoes. And I look up and, and, and there's Dave. He had sought me out. Instead of, instead of all these entrepreneurs seeking him out, he had actually sought me out because of my bright orange colored shoes. And we had a conversation and he introduced me to uh, his associate in New York. And they ended up putting $500,000 into my company. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to tell everyone if, if they wear bright orange shoes, they'll have people writing them $500,000 checks. But I can tell you with certainty that had I not been wearing bright orange shoes, he would not have walked up to me, and I probably never would have had a conversation with him, and I probably never would have had that $500,000. So I now own 57 pairs of orange <laughs> shoes, and I do wear orange shoes every single day. I've got sneakers. I've got Crocs. I've got you know, fancy brand name shoes for weddings and funerals. And I've got, you know, uh, orange shoes for every possible occasion. And it's actually been an incredible asset um, because I do stand out uh, at, at any conference. Um, and I also um, attract attention basically wherever I go. And, 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 and it's funny because I, I've actually been told by a lot of introverts that they appreciate me wearing orange shoes because I give them something to talk about. I mean, almost no day goes by where somebody doesn't say, hey, love your shoes or love orange or wow, those are crazy shoes, right? So so it actually gives me all these extra opportunities to build relationships with people, whether you know, not all of them end up you know, changing my life in the way that Dave did, but they all, they all are interesting and, and I meet a heck of a lot more people than I would have otherwise. So when I do speeches and I talk about signature style, I say, Again, you know, obviously orange shoes aren't for everyone, but maybe there's a particular a color tie or a handkerchief or a hat or a purse or a uh, uh, bracelet or a 
uh, a pair of sunglasses or uh, a necklace or a bag or something that can be your your accessory that can you can be known by. Um, I, I, I had a client that um, wore pearls all the time after after we met. I had, I had another client that put put a flower in her hair you know all the time. Um, I have a, I have a friend that just started wearing purple ties. Uh, uh, every day, so you know, you know, it, it obviously it takes a little bit of courage, but um, you know, those of you that are listening that can embrace this idea of a signature style, I think there's a lot of really valuable benefits. You know, um, that guy who I think he passed Jerry Bruckheimer as the Hollywood producer, highest box office movie producer in history. He, uh, Brian Glazier, he's got that spiky hair, you know, yep. and yep. and he, if you read his book. A curious mind or whatever he's he talks about that How, what an advantage that's been of like oh yeah the guy with the spiky hair has helped yeah, him in no Hollywood. no it's, it's, it's totally true and um i i'm i am the guy with the orange uh you know with the bright orange shoes so that's um that's definitely been um been uh, yeah. a great experience well as as we're kind of winding down here um i'd love to ask you know thinking about whether it's the you know having a book actually become a New York Times bestseller or whether it's, you know, growing the audience to 750,000 people. If you had one principle, you know, somebody who's relatively savvy, but hasn't reached the level you've reached, if you had one main piece of advice for them, what, what do you think it would be to, to grow an audience the way you've grown one? Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, I'm, uh, so, uh, so limiting it to one is tough, of course, but I, I okay, would say then, really, yeah, just primary. I'll, I'll give you a couple, uh, you know, yeah. uh, be, be consistent and be patient. A lot of people give up uh, early on because they don't see immediate results. It takes, it takes some real time and, and, and consistency of efforts um, and then lift up others. Um, it's been amazing to me how valuable it's been to connect with others and to help others because they end up, you know, in many, many cases, um, uh, helping me as well. Um, but um, I've been fortunate enough to to connect with a lot of others, to connect others to others, and um, and to help a lot of other people, especially influential people. And 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 they've in turn been um, very valuable in in me building my audience and in a lot of the the success that I've been fortunate enough to experience. You know. It is interesting. I think about some of the folks who I look up to the most. Um, you know, we have a, we had a, a guest on who's a close personal friend, Lindsay Hadley, and her clients are now you know A list movie stars and billionaires and and a really desirable client list. And she's ex she's like very well known for her willingness to use up social capital on people. Like she is not incredibly guarded. I mean, she's not going to do something silly. You know, give out the cell phone number of a A list celebrity, right? But for for people, she is like extremely willing to go out on a limb in a non-transactional way and just help you. And uh, she's got like this huge fan club of like an entourage of people who love her because she's willing to serve first with no expectation. Yeah. And uh, she's been an example to me. Totally. And that, that aspect of uh, servant leadership and, uh, and giver's gain and uh, giving first, like you said, it's... I, that's definitely, you know, I, I think I think that's always been the, the best way, but I, I know that's the best way today when, um, uh, you know, life's too short and karma catches up with you and the world is more transparent than ever before. So I just, I, I believe that uh, the truly that the likable person uh, wins in the end. I love it. So um, where's the best place for people to be connecting with you, buying the books? Is it is it coming straight to the company website, going on Amazon? 
Yeah, uh, all of the above. I, I um, One of my core values is responsiveness. So if folks have questions or comments, uh, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. But because I'm a social media guy, I'm pretty active on all those sites. Uh, and then um, you can get all of our books on uh, on Amazon. You could Google uh, Likeable to see a bunch of books and companies. And uh, UmaHealth.com, I think I mentioned, is our is our mental health marketplace. You can check that out. And, um, I'm happy to answer questions and connect with anyone that uh, wants to connect with me on LinkedIn. Well, appreciate you making time for us here today. Thanks again for having me. You bet. Bye. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Get to Old Navy for star-spangled style. Right now, everything's on sale, up to 60% off. That's right, get everything from tees, shorts, dresses, and swim, all at 60% off. Now till July 7th at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid through 7-7, select styles only.